For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. I'm John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels. You know, we're still going to have trouble with that. We are going to have trouble with that. For 82 episodes, you introduced me. I did. And I asked if I could introduce myself, and I can tell you that I will absolutely stumble my way through that for (laughs) for these shows. Happy October 1st. Wonderful. It's the want of October. I wanted to let you know, sir, this is a very big week in the world of sports. October 2nd, tomorrow, we we have the Shriners Golf Tournament this week. The NFL continues. Major Mm -hmm. League Baseball's wild card series start Wednesday. And uh, we have four games Wednesday, three games Thursday. So it's going to be a baseball lover's dream week. But this is why I brought all this up. Okay. Because you and I are very good friends. Yes. Except this week when the Patriots take on the Cowboys. Oh, you mean when the Patriots decimate the Cowboys? <laughs> In your dreams, buddy. <laughs> you know, so, you know why um, they don't use coasters on tables in in Dallas? Why is that? Because nobody in Dallas has a ring. Oh, that's just that's <laughs> but that's not true. See, it's, it's not, not true, true, but it's funny. <laughs> it's it's it's, so it's Patriots it. funny. <laughs> it's New Englander funny, but it yes. ain't Dallas funny as well. Boy. <laughs> they don't say how about them patriots so so i wanted to bring this up because obviously for any football fan cowboy fan patriot fan who's aware ezekiel elliott left the cowboys or the cowboys basically said we don't want to pay you what you want and right. he went to the patriots so it will be his return to dallas mm-hmm. but i wanted to put a bet on the table with you sir oh okay if the Patriots win, you can introduce me from here out. <laughs> if the Cowboys oh, can win, I, can I? <laughs> I introduce myself and you just relax. All right. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Are we good? We're on? We're on. We're I'll on. take that bet. Yes, yes, indeed. And I'll just start practicing. Neil Michaels. Neil Michaels. Neil Michaels. <laughs> Dude, you had you had 82 shows if you if you still need to practice. <laughs> well, you know, uh, twice you introduced yourself. I'm out of the habit already. There you go. No, you see, yeah. but it's for me, there's that pause for when you say it that my brain has to go, no, it's your turn. I guess so, it's just tough. Yeah. So okay, we're on. Uh, the NHL season starts this week, and it's a darn good thing that we have somebody who knows a little bit about the NHL with us yeah, today. It is because that I, I will. I'm I'm going to give you a a personal confession. 
I, I am a firm believer that hockey should not be played in any city where ice does not form naturally. <laughs> I have lived here in Kentucky since 1991. Uh-huh. So it has been quite a while since I have followed anything in the NHL. 1991. Well, that that fits right into when our guests started playing <laughs> the NHL. So it's nice to know you're really prepared. <laughs> no, you and I have talked about this, and and I have to tell you, maybe it's just the old guy feeling. You know how we we get off our lawn and all that crap. I sort of feel the same way. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, and anything mm -hmm. north of D.C. is where hockey grew up. Yeah. Boston, New York, Minnesota, Canada, uh, St. Louis, Detroit, places that have been hockey meccas for years. Mm -hmm. Having said that, and because you haven't followed since 1991, the Florida Panthers won the Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. The Las Vegas team has won the Stanley mm. Cup. The LA Kings have won the Stanley Cup. So the South, she has risen as far as <laughs> as far as hockey goes. That's, that's only because they brought in all the Canadians, man. That's well, and Europeans. That's exactly right. That's I, right. I I don't see a lot of these guys being like, hmm, my home in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot of Smiths and Joneses playing hockey. No, you I'm are sorry. exactly right. But a Kolzig has played hockey. Yes, he has. Done and has done quite job. well at it. Yes. yes. Our guest today is a, a Washington Capitals legend. I was fortunate enough to be in Washington watching him play. And mm -hmm. he was a terror if you had a puck and you wanted to try to score. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen most of the time. Not getting by him, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> Olaf Kolzig, the goaltender for the Washington Capitals during the really, really great years in Washington, is our guest today, and we can't wait to have him on the approach shot. I did want to give my daughter a shout out today because it's going to be her birthday this weekend. Happy birthday, Ryan. You're not going to sing, okay. John? No, I was, and I was hoping you weren't going to. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> not even starting. The song Happy Birthday to You was written by two old ladies here in Louisville, Kentucky. I did not. Do they own the city? No, they don't. They don't even own the rights to the song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're creative, but they're not great business people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, she's been in the makeup world for, for quite a while. And every once in a while, she'll come over to me and she'll give me a big hug and she'll tell me how great things look and th great things are. But then she'll say something like, are you ever going to do anything about those bags under your eyes, dad? Well, we had a phone call the other day from a couple of famous luggage companies and they asked <laughs> if they could brand them. And I said, yeah. no, that is why we're so excited about Caldera Labs. They are our new sponsor here on the Approach Shot. And look, I even have some of the products in front of me here. Go. I called you, yes. Jonathan, and yes, I said, hey, try this stuff because it's amazing. And you were like giving me all kinds of funny lines and typical John <laughs> stuff, which I know after knowing you this long is your way of saying, do I have to try this stuff? <laughs> Well, I had used the clean slate that morning, rubbed it in and stuff, and it gave me all kinds of like tingles and stuff, which lets you know it's really working. Uh -huh. And I could actually feel the cleanser working. And I have to tell you, it also smells amazing. I got all this great stuff going on 
just using the clean slate one time. So I thought, well, if it feels good to do that, I am going to work with the icon. That's E-Y-E-Con to get rid of some of the bags under my eyes. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I've only been doing it for two days now, and I can already see some of the puffiness is going away. Some of the dark lines are going away. I'm going on a trip here the next four or five days, and I brought it all with me so that when it's time for us to do the next show, I might even let you do a close-up of my puffy eyes. <laughs> oh, joy. Which, oh, bliss. Which and won't be as puffy at the time. Well, and you have some more interesting facts about Caldera Labs, don't you? Well, you know, I took your advice and I said, well, if, if he's going to get this excited about it, I might as well go try it. And you were right. As much as I hate to admit it, you were absolutely correct. It, it it feels good. And if it feels good, do it. You know, the good, the stuff they call the good, the multifunctional serum that you're supposed to put on at night. Yes. Tightens up your skin. Yes. Gets rid of wrinkles. The good. It's Fine literally lines. called the good. I, I read the package. It says this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Who counted? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, probably the same person who found out that Caldera Labs trials have found that 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using their product for only a couple of weeks. I know, I, I know. And it, it does feel good and it looks good. It's, it's really great when old guys, you know, when you go up and someone says, how old are you? And what you do is you say, how old do I look? Yeah. And then whatever they say, you say, okay, because they usually, because most people will guess lower than you are. Yes. Well, but especially was, if you've used these products, because. Yeah, I was getting guesses in the high 40s, low 50s, which is, let's just say a few years. It's a off. couple <laughs> under. Yeah, it's a couple under. Mm -hmm. So we have in front of me, we have all four products that came in the package that we have. The icon is, is the one that I'm super excited about. But yes, the clean slate and the good. And the other thing about the good is that it tightens your skin. So it does what women are spending so much money on with Botox and things like that, except it's not that, you know, it does have some tightening tighteners in there. Not only do you get the benefit of the cleanser, but you also get something that's going to tighten. And you'll notice that it says, put some on your neck. I'm cheating and I'm putting some on my forehead because I don't want those lines either. Yeah. Isn't it funny how men's skincare has changed? If we had had this conversation 10 or 15 years ago, people will have, would have called us Metro or they would have said, yeah, I'm a <laughs> real other, man. I don't other do words, that. We could, we could not repeat. Right. But skincare exactly. is important these days. And the good thing about this is they know how guys work. It takes one more, one minute in the morning and one minute at night and that's it. And you're done. And we, and we look you know? better and we look younger. Yes, please yeah. check right here. How about a special deal? Because people say, okay, you got it. You got us all built up. Where, where do we get this stuff? You get it online. You get it. Actually, we're going to give you a deal if you get it from us. If you were to use approach right now at calderalab.com slash approach, you'll get 20% off right now. Right now, 20? this very second. I love a deal. I yes. love a deal. <laughs> Let's spell Caldera form in case they don't know. C-A-L-D-E-R-A lab.com backslash approach. And then use the code approach for 20% off. I do love a good deal. And you'll get one at calderalab.com slash approach. I wonder if this stuff would work on covering up hockey puck scars. Rolly the goalie is coming up. Hang out with us. We'll be right back. We promised... When we promise, we deliver. We're like dominoes. 
but we can do it in less than 30 minutes. Still, this is the first and last time we will use your full name, sir, but Olaf Koltzik is our guest this week on The Approach You're Shot. You're right. It's, it it's is. only the goalie on The Approach <laughs> Shot. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Always love talking hockey and golf. There you go. Oh. Hockey and golf together. There's, <laughs> there are two swings that couldn't be more similar. Bob shot and a putt. <laughs> it's a new game. Let's play except, golf. Except if you're a goalie. That's yeah. right. You're not swinging at all. <laughs> That's right. Maybe swinging at a forward in front of you if he's pestering you enough. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is no defense in golf, man. That's true. Hey, I just wanted to do what I always do, give everybody a little bit of, of who you are. That's the sound of paper rustling. Uh, Oli is uh, a South African-born German goalie, which sounds like a really delicious candy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a current goaltender coach and player development coach for the Washington Capitals, Go Caps. Played his entire 14-year career with the Caps, except for eight games that he played with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll get into that in a bit. 15th in NHL history in career saves, 28th in wins, 23rd in games and minutes. And in the year 2000, Ole won the Vizina, uh, I knew I was going to screw up the name, the Vizina Trophy. I could say it a hundred times correctly until I got on here. As the NHL's best goalie with 41 wins and a two- 0.24 goals against. I specifically want to rub this into you, John, because Dominic Hasig won it in 1999 and 2001. And in 2000, Oli was like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that dominator was hurt that year. Well, there you go. Oli also played in the Winter Olympics for Germany in 1998 and in 2006 and played in the Stanley Cup for the Capitals, and the Caps lost, but then he coached in the Stanley Cup for the Capitals in 2018 when they won. So, yeah, you got to yeah. lift the, the trophy after all. Yeah, we, we didn't want to bring up the, the fact that, that you lost in the Stanley Cups the first time. We didn't want to bring it up, not because it was painful memory for you, but because we had to mention the Detroit Red Wings. And that is a team that always comes out, every time I had to, had to say it in sports reports, it always came out as Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me it was your favorite team. That's oh, no, 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 no. You didn't no, want to I, mention that we lost. I grew up in Boston, so I hate Detroit yeah. and St. Louis and Montreal and, and New York, and New and York especially New York. You should hear when we talk Red Sox and Yankees. It, he turns a different shade of, of red. <laughs> does, the Boston, thought, does the Boston accent come out? It does when necessary. Yes, I can always I can always go back to it. <laughs> I've, I've been on the radio for 37 years. They beat it out of me very early on in my career. But I, I go to Maine on vacation and it's there within the first three or four hours that I've arrived in town. So, oh, yeah. When I go to yeah. Canada, it's the same thing. The Canadian yeah. accent. Is out. Yep. yep. The Canadian accent That's... for the South African German goalie. <laughs> yeah, my buddy termed and works in the U.S. So my buddy, my buddy termed it Germafricadian. <laughs> it actually made me a T-shirt that I wear every once in a while. <laughs> Except it goes around back because it's so long. <laughs> so I want to start with the fact that you were. Um, first of all, I lived in Washington when you played. If you weren't aware, the city was only crazy. It took about 30 seconds for them to deem you only the goalie. And it took another 30 seconds for them to come up with your other very uh, impressive nickname. 
I don't know if you know this, John, but the Washington Capitals fan called him Godzilla because as a goalie, he was taller than most. <laughs> okay. I was taller than most, and I, I wore my emotions on my sleeve. So you you kind of knew where you, where I stood just by watching me. If I was mad, if I was excited, if I was fiery, I was big. And that's how I got the nickname. You never, ever got angry on the ice, did you? Uh, every once in a while. It carries over to the golf course, too, actually. <laughs> but I've mellowed in my old age. There you go. I wanted to go back to the beginning, though. You you were drafted in 1989, and you played for a cup of coffee in 89-90, but then you were sent down to the minors, where you played for a long time in the minors for, for a guy with your talent. I mean, you were down there for six years, seven years? I made it when I was 19, played played a couple games, and I got sent back to junior. Obviously, they, they felt I wasn't ready, and um, I, it's not that I had a bad attitude. I had the wrong attitude. My next go around a training camp, I figured, well, I made it the year before. You know, I should, I, I'm a year older. I, I definitely should make it now. And um, I didn't realize, you know, the year before, I didn't have any expectations. I, I thought I was going back to junior anyway. And, and so I just went and played. I didn't think about anything. And when you play like that, you know, you play freely and, and you just let your talent take over. But, you know, when you start thinking about things and, and, and putting expectations on yourself and, you know, at a young age and, you know, maybe – didn't deal with pressures as good as I did later on in my career. You know, it just, it took me a while to get things figured out between the years. You know, I had the physical attributes, but maybe, maybe I wasn't uh, quite mentally tough enough to, to take on the NHL. And it took me a good four or five years before I finally did. That happens with a lot of athletes who are drafted and I don't want to say too young, but, but are younger than maybe they, their development would need to be to play at that level. I was just going to say, I have, a, I have a cousin who lives in Portland, Maine. He found out we were talking to you today, and he just said, make sure you tell him thank you from me. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun year we had. Yeah, we obviously we ended up winning the Calder Cup that year. And yeah. um, uh, I think that year is what kind of put me on the right track. I mean, I had a great playoff run. Uh, ended up getting MVP. That year I had in Portland, I, I carried on with me and, and knew I could get it done at crunch time. And and um you know, you're right. Uh, you know, when you're when you're 18, 19 years old, you're definitely not as mature as guys that have played in the NHL uh, for a few years. Um, and being in the development part now, that's, you know, that's something I deal with all the time uh, with these young kids is, is, is the mental part and how to get them, you know, trying to think positive right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, it's a tough game and, and, and there's going to be a lot of people that are uh, that are going to be hard on you and there's no sense you being hard on yourself. So the role I have, I think I'm perfect for because of all the experiences I've gone through as a player. I was a first round draft pick, started out in the NHL, got sent back, spent a bunch of time in the East Coast League. And then I spent a lot of time in the American League. I served as a backup. I became a starter. Then I became a star. And then I regressed a little bit when I got older and then I acted as a mentor to, to a young kid in Tampa. And so, you know, when I work with these kids, I, I tell them there's not a situation that you're going to be in or that you that you are in that I haven't experienced as a player. So you can't say, well, what do you know? You've never <laughs> been here before. Well, actually I have. And 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 so I really established relationships with these kids based on that. And um uh it, it's a lot of fun. And it's because of the experiences I had growing up that I'm able to to hopefully pass on some words of wisdom to these kids. It's remarkable when you think about it that and we're talking about 18, 19 year old. I mean again, you came up at 19. At 
18 and 19 years old, you just took your finals in high school. You know, you're, I remember being a kid in high school who didn't kind of know where he was going to go. Didn't know what girls were all about. Didn't know what, you know, I didn't, hadn't gotten my first car yet. I, all of the things that a high schooler has to go through and now add to that, that you're not only supposed to be figuring out how to play physically, but that you're also supposed to be in a right place mentally. And then other people over here are telling you how great you are and you're going to be a superstar in a, in a men's, you know, in the NHL. And oh my God, between the pressure and the inability to figure yourself out, I don't want to call it immaturity because that's different between all people, but wow, that's got to be a lot of pressure. You know, when you you don't think of it like that at the time, um, you know, with with hockey players, you know, we leave home at a very young age. Um, I think I left when I was 13, 14 years old. I lived with billets for a number of years. And so you learn, I, I think we're better equipped than say the average high school kid that maybe gets drafted and we're away from home already. We're traveling, you know, we're playing a lot of game. Obviously, you know, playing in the in the in the Western League is a little different than playing in college. I mean, we played a lot, like we had 72, 76 games. We were on the bus for a number of hours. And so from that that standpoint, it wasn't too, too bad. But you know, all of a sudden you're and this is why I work with with the kids is um teaching them how to be pros. So they, you know, in junior, you're living with billets, you're having your laundry done, your 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 meals are done, um, you go to school. You know, you're at the rank. You're, you basically have a set schedule. The same with college and, and and kids that come over from Europe. And so now, all of a sudden, you're you're a pro, and you you you're only required to be at the rink a couple hours. You're you're making a lot of money, and and you have no idea, you know, how to grocery shop. You have no idea, you know, you're you're living on your own now. You got to pay bills. You got to pay rent, rent furniture, all these things that you never never experienced. That's the stuff that all of a sudden is thrown at you. And now you got to deal with all the, the stuff away from the rink. And then be able to perform on the ice, and and so that that's kind of when I approached the team about this player development position, it wasn't necessarily about skill development, and it's not necessarily just goalies. It's all our all our guys that we get. It's, it's helping these kids to transition to become pro players, to to take care of the stuff away from the rink, and not have it be on their mind, so that when they're at the rink and they perform, all they're focused on is hockey. I want to jump ahead to the NHL All-Star game you played in. You're one of only four goalies in history to have stopped every shot that came in and play a scoreless period in an NHL All-Star game. Who was firing at you? Well, so it was Team North America against Team Europe, and I was on Team Europe. God, it would have been Lindros, Eric Lindros, Paul Correa, Joe Sackick. I'm not sure if Lemieux was healthy to be playing. I don't think Gretzky was playing. Ray Bork, Al McGinnis. And was there one of them specifically going into the game that you were thinking, holy crap, I hope not one, no, all. <laughs> they were all stars. It was all of them. Um, you know, I, as a goalie going into an all-star game, you just pray and try to survive. And, you know, I had not, there was nothing in my mind that thought I was going to have a scoreless period, but it just, it just worked out that way. And it wasn't like I was bombarded. I think I had eight or 10 shots, but again, it's an all-star game. And those, those eight or 10 shots are all great A scoring chances. So um, I think Brett Hall was playing too, who back then had, you know, he's, he was the, he was the Ovi of, of, of the nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. So, and it, it, the game was in Toronto too. So that's the Mecca of, of, of hockey. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and so you've got, you know, you got the whole hockey world on your eyes are on you. You got, you know, 
you're in Toronto and you're playing against the best players in the league. And um, so I just went and just kind of had fun with it and, and, and just tried not to embarrass myself and ended up you know, getting a goose egg. So maybe we should come back in a little bit after a quick break and, uh, and ask Goldie, which is more pressure having Brett Hall come down on a fast break to you a one-on-one or standing over a three-foot putt for birdie. We'll be right back. We are the approach shot. Don't you go away. And we are back just as we promised. See, this is a whole show about keeping promises, Isn't which it? we do quite well. Good. Okay. Yes. Although don't call us promise keepers because then someone will sue us. I am John Ashton. I'm John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels. Holy the goalie is our guest. And we're talking hockey. So even for two guys who who have, and, and we will admit this and, and confess to it, we we kind of old school. We we kind of believe that hockey really shouldn't be played any place where ice does not form naturally. So the the southern <laughs> hockey teams kind of confuse the hell out of us. To be, be honest with you, see that's why you, I was spoiled as a Caps fan. I was in Washington yeah. D.C. and I'm right on the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. I could be like anything north of D.C. where mm-hmm. ice forms naturally. This seems mm-hmm. natural to me. Yes. When I heard you went to Tampa, I was like, they don't. There's no ice there. Couldn't you be water skiing? <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird. It's 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 you know, and when they had the proposal of you know the Anaheim coming in and San Jose coming in and Florida and Tampa and it just it didn't seem right. But you know, there's there's a lot of snowbirds that go to these that, that go to these yeah. places over time, and and so you know, the league was the league was smart. They you know they they saw what possibilities there were, and then obviously now the game is is so popular you could put a team on the moon and and uh, uh it would be successful it's, as long uh, as you can re- as long as you can recruit canadians to to go to the moon you're right that'll <laughs> they'll have a success they win and, and and there are some diehards that would go for sure <laughs> but the game the game is in, the game is in such a great place now it's so exciting to watch and um it is you know future is really really bright for the nhl what are you looking at for this year for this coming season who are you looking at as teams that are to be reckoned with. You know what? I had my mind kind of turned off because it's summertime. I haven't really gotten into it um, as far as thinking about who who the teams are. Um, the defending champs, obviously, are going to be solid again. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to be really good. Colorado is going to be good. Uh, Carolina is going to be good. Toronto's always good. They just can't get it done in the playoffs. You know, it's going to be interesting are the Caps. Uh, you know, we've got a new coach and, and Spencer Carberry, who's going to bring a lot of excitement, a lot of energy to our team. Ovi's chasing Wayne Gretzky's record. You know, there's there's going to be excitement around our team for sure. But um, yeah, I, I would say Vegas and I'd say Boston, but they just lost. You know, they just lost a couple guys uh, to retirement, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron. So let's we'll see how they how uh, they get replaced. But uh, you know, Colorado, I think will be strong again. I like out of, your out of the East. I like your yeah pick out of the East. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, they, they, their biggest question mark is goal, and um, I think if they if they if, if the goaltenders can play up to you know the rest of the team's level, they they've obviously got the the firepower and the defensive core. So I, they wouldn't surprise me if they went to the finals next year. Excellent. Hey, before we get into your golf, let's talk a little bit about your son, uh, about Carson. Obviously, uh, 
for people who know your story, Carson developed autism at a young age, and um, it inspired you to found the Athletes Against Autism Foundation. I'd love to talk to you about that and, and hear your thoughts, how it started and where you guys are at this point and how people can help. Well, so the the Athletes Against Autism has it's kind of dispersed uh, back in, in 08 when we had the financial issues and everything and, um, you know, foundations weren't they were just like every other other business. It, we we just couldn't survive. But that started with with Scott Mellenby, former player, and Byron Defoe, and myself, all three fathers of of, uh, of a child with autism. And we partnered with um, Autism Speaks. And at the time, we 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 brought on Ernie Els, who was our our big uh, our big name at the time. And uh, like I said, unfortunately, with what happened in '08, our our part of Autism Speaks kind of went by the wayside and they, but they retained uh, Ernie Els. But since then I, I began the Carson Kolzik Foundation, which we started in 05. And it was it's more for the, wash, the, the the Southeastern part of Washington state. We help fund an autism center here awesome. that helps families. You know, when they, the, the big thing is when you, when you hear autism, that's part of, that's part of the nightmare, but then try and find the, necessary interventions to help because there's just so many different things out there and and different things work for different kids and and so we have a center here that helps kind of direct parents in the right direction and and helps them get necessary services and diagnosis and and now it's advanced to the point where those young kids are adults and so now we're working on trying to get uh to teach these kids so that they can find you know, jobs, because a lot of these kids, you know, they just want, they want to, they, they want some sort of purpose in life. And now they're adults and, 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 and a lot of them are looking for that purpose and, and, and they can be uh real helpful parts of the community. Um And so I'm very proud of, of what we got here as far as that's the responding to autism center here in Kennewick, Washington. And um yeah, so that's kind of what our foundation does. And how can somebody help or contribute? Uh, they can go to the Carson Kolzig uh, Foundation.org or responding to autism.org. There are buttons there to uh, to make donations or get information. And kind of as a way to transition into a conversation about golf, there's a um, PGA pro from the, the late 1900s named Billy Mayfair, whose who's yep. major, major claim to fame is he's the only person who's ever beaten Tiger Woods in a playoff. Tiger's record is 11 and one and Billy Mayfair is the only guy Billy at the age of 56 was diagnosed as autistic. Mm. And he, and he says that being having the, the autism being on the autism spectrum actually helped him play golf as well as he did. It makes yeah. sense because these, these kids, they just, they, they focus so yeah. specifically on, on certain things and uh, you know, they're, they're not easily distracted. And so yeah. I could see, and I, it, that was, I think that was last year or two years ago when he came out with that. Um, yeah. And it really, really surprised me to be that old and just get diagnosed with it is incredible. Yeah. He said it explained a lot about his life and, and the problems he had, but he he did say the same thing. It, it allowed him to concentrate on the game and play it as well as he was able to play it. Yeah. Just and somebody, and a lot of these kids are perfectionists too. They yeah. just continue to do same thing, same thing, same thing. And it's, that's perfect for golf, right? Because it's just repetitive muscle memory and um, 
You want to do this. You want to, you want to swing the same way on every, on every shot. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way, but yeah. um, that's the goal. Didn't sound like it happened that way with you last week. What were you saying right before we came on that you did as, as far as a couple of rounds back to back? Yeah. So our club, we put on a, we have a, a group of us to put on a Ryder cup um, and we go up to uh, gamble sands, which uh, uh, anybody that, that, that doesn't know is, is one of the all time fun, most fun places to have a Ryder cup at. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, Washington state. It was built. Uh, oh God, that was the designer's last name's kid. It'll come to me, but it, anyway, it's such a, it's such a fun place to go and they're actually building another 18. Um, but yeah, so we have a Ryder cup there and we, we, we play uh four ball and we play alternate shot. And then we have uh singles round uh the next day. Anyway, in the four ball, I I shot 73, which is my lowest round. And then the uh the funny thing is I couldn't putt. I, I literally could have had a I could have shot a 68 if I if I was able to putt. I, I don't think I missed a green. It was just one of those rounds that you just, you know, you dream of. Unfortunately, as as most amateur golfers know, that that feeling doesn't last long. And uh, you know, the next day in in my singles match, even though I won the match, uh, I shot an 85. So on the same course. Uh, mm. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's typical amateur golf. Yeah. The course giveth and the course taketh away. It's That's <laughs> exactly. the way it works, man. Did you putt any better the second day? You know what? I, I think fractionally better. Not, not, not much. I think I'm going to play this weekend. So I'm going to have to look around the, the garage and see if I can pull out like one of my old classics that, uh, that I like. <laughs> Because a Scotty Cameron right now is not working for me. It is funny how you can putt slightly better and still drop 12 strokes from the day before on the same course. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's why it's not like I it's not like I hit it OB or I hit it in the water. I mean, it's it's fairly generous course off the tee. Uh, you know, I think I took a triple on the first hole. I, that was the one I snapped it into the bush and then I just made a I had it, but the funny thing is I have the hole. And then I went <laughs> uh, then I think I went birdie. Missed a six-footer for Eagle, made birdie, and then I three-putted for bogey, and then I kind of just went downhill from there. I mm. thought I was going to rally after the two birdies, and then the three-putt just put me in a put me in a bad state. Well, it's kind of the same situation as you were talking about when you were you were playing in in the uh, the minor hockey leagues, where you really didn't you didn't stress out over it. You just did it because you, you weren't worried about impressing anybody. Golf's the right. same way. If you start thinking like that, man, you get tight and your game goes to hell. What are usually our fir- our best rounds of the year? It's usually the first one of the year, right? Because we go in yep. and there's no expectations. You, you don't have any swimming thoughts. You're, you're, you haven't played all winter. And and those are usually the best rounds you have. And then all of a sudden yep. you, you have a good round and you're like, oh, I got this game figured out. And then <laughs> you just start thinking and overthinking. And then it's just yeah. like, man, I hate this game. I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so true. The golf gods get their revenge on you for thinking that you're good. Every time. <laughs> who, Every time. who had thirty? Who had thirty minutes into the show before our guest said, "I hate golf." <laughs> <laughs> Is that a record length? <laughs> most people be. say within the first five minutes. Actually, you were the first to admit it out loud. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, you know what? But then you know what? I I'll hate golf for for seventeen holes, and then I'll I'll make. I'll make yep. birdie or par on the, on the last hole. And it just sucks you right back in. Yep. <laughs> I think John, we need to write the book called the one shot because yeah. it is, it's just, you can play, you can stink up the course, yep. but there's the one shot 
that you keep coming back to because you know when you go home and you talk to your wife or you talk to your friends at, a, at you know when you're hanging out you don't tell them about the 68 other shots you tell them about the three or four highlight shots oh i putted for birdie oh i was putting for eagle no oh, i missed a six footer oh i did you talk about the four or five shots but it's the one shot that you hit that you're like that shot if i could just do that shot more that's all the time coming back sunday i played came home told my wife all about how i chipped in for a birdie from the apron and she was like oh yeah that's great and walked off. Here, put on an apron now and do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so true. I mean, that's what that's what I think that's what sucks everybody into golf. Beginners, whatever. It's the one one shot you hit, you just pure off your club on it, whether it's on the range or, or the last hole or or whatever. It's just that, you know, the contact and, and just seeing the ball fly straight and far. And I think that's what just that's what sucks people in with this game. When you play in like a charity tournament or something, do you find that the other guys expect you to be a fantastic golfer simply because you're a former professional athlete? 100%. And they say, oh, you're a hockey player. And this is what we talked about earlier. You're a hockey player. Oh, my God. Hockey players, they're they're one of the best golfers in the world. You know, the same motion or whatever. I'm like, guys, I was a goalie. I'm standing (laughs) like this. I'm swinging. I'm standing like this. So, you know, I... It didn't come quite as natural to me as it did for does for most guys. So I kind of, I kind of squashed their, their expectations right out of the gate. Yeah. You ever had any of your uh, compatriots playing hockey players try to do the happy Gilmore routine on the golf course doing the, the whole slap oh, yeah, shot? Yeah. We all like, try that. Especially after, especially after did it ever work? Years, we do. We obviously try it, you know, when, no, our ankles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I no, think I think so. when that movie came out, I think every one of us tried it on the on the range. Oh my goodness. Oh, Sometimes yeah, we... I wish I could putt with his putter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, much as this has been fun, John, I think it's time to turn up the heat a little bit. What do you think? Hot seat ready? Oli, we're yeah. we're gonna turn on the we're gonna turn the, the heat up. We're gonna fire six questions at you. You're gonna give us the first answer that comes to mind. Do not think about it. If you do, if we sense you're thinking about it, you'll hear. Ah. That, that means spit right. it out, son. Spit it out. Okay. And just, just no pressure, man. Which you can deal with. We'll be right back. We are the approach shot. I am John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels. Oh, see, 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 we have a bet. I hate silence. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hate silence. We are the approach shot. Collectively speaking, we have Oli the goalie as our guest, and it is time to put him on the hot seat. And this is hot enough to melt ice. Ooh, I saw what you did there. Thank you. Oli, again, we're going to fire six questions at you. We want you to give us the first thought that comes to mind. No thinking about it. You ready? Yep. All right. Question one. I'm going to start with a softy. Simba crisps, peppermint crisps, Duplo, or Kinder Country chocolate? What's eight-year-old Kinder Country likely to want most? Kinder Country chocolate. Just so people know, those are South African and German candies. And I knew you were going to go for country chocolate. <laughs> I had them when I was eight years old. That, that was, was a softball. That, that was almost cheating. 
<laughs> All right. Question two. You played your entire career with the Caps, except for eight games with Tampa Bay, as we mentioned earlier. Having been with one franchise for so long and being associated with one franchise for so long, how weird did it feel to put on a Lightning uniform? Real weird. Yeah, it was real weird. Especially, you know, it, it was more weird when we played the Caps. I think that was probably the weirdest part of it, being in the other locker room, having my ex-teammates shooting on me. I think that was... That was something, yeah, that was something mentally tough for me, for sure. All right. Question three, which meant more, winning the Stanley Cup as a coach or winning the King Clancy Trophy for humanitarian service? Ooh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to say, I always said the King Clancy before I won the Stanley Cup. I, I would still stay say the King Clancy because... It's, you know, it's one thing as a being thought of as an athlete and, and getting all these accolades as an athlete, but it's, to me, I think the most important thing is about being a good human being. And, and that's what the King Clancy exemplified, you know, the, the work I did on and off the ice. Um, so for me, and I think that probably made my parents more proud than anything else I've done. I figured there was, there was no wrong answer there because one makes you a good teammate and one makes you a good human being. So, <laughs> all right. Question four. Which is harder, stopping a puck coming at you at 90 miles an hour or hitting a golf ball that's sitting still? Oh, not even close. Hitting a golf ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's a mind game, right? It's just yeah. it, it, hockey, you're just reacting. And it, it's not like you have to get you have to get it clean. You can just get a piece of it and deflect it wide, whereas a golf ball just stands there. And if you just get a piece of it, it's going shank or hosel rocket. You know, you've got to hit it dead center of the club face. That's I the secret right there. I think the million dollar invention is to get a golf ball that has a voice that says, you can't hit me because everybody would hit it really hard, but still not know where it's going. Or have it talk to you like the most annoying person in your world. <laughs> Somebody just want to punch square in the nose. Everybody just thought of who that is and none of us are going to say it. <laughs> nope, nope. That's why, that's why I said person. <laughs> the, right. There you go. Question five. Love you, honey. <laughs> This section of the six-pack brought to you by the divorce lawyers of Ashton and Michaels. Uh, question five. Everybody knows your more traditional nickname, Oli the Goalie, and we've talked about the fact that you were also nicknamed Godzilla. Is there another nickname that you had earlier in life? No. No. And if there was, I can't remember. Oli the Goalie was the first one, and I got that, I think, when I was around, first started playing goal when I was 10. People call me Oli, and then just... Parent called me Oli the goalie once I put put the pads on, but I would think I was Oli when I was probably five years old. Nobody in 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 school called you Moly Oli. Nothing. No, no obnoxious. Well, you're saying nicknames yeah. or or getting teased because I got there was a bunch of I got Oil of Olaf, which is Oil of Olay. Olaf, your head off. Um, <laughs> yeah, those things. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't stick around too long because you know we we we'd settle the score in the uh <laughs> because the, Godzilla uh, would raise his after, head. After yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> actually, Olaf Olaf your head off is actually kind of a compliment because you know it means you're a funny guy. Well it's pretty witty. I mean, whoever came up with it, but yeah. That that person isn't with us anymore. Um, <laughs> question six, and we asked this of all of our guests, since we are the approach shot, Ole Kolzig, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? Treat people the way you want to be treated. I think if more people, 
had that mindset, the world would be a better place to live in. Wow. Well done. I don't think the ice melted even a little bit, maybe a drip or two, but he wasn't here long enough for that. No, no, no pauses, man. <laughs> no. Well done, I sir. I was ready for you. You were. <laughs> you are officially off the hot seat. Well done. I did want to mention one more time for people to uh, check out the Carson Kolsik Foundation. Look it up. Contribute. You're doing some great work. I think it's it's wonderful that that you've stuck with it despite some ups and downs um, in in the foundation world. I have to tell you that that again, growing up in Washington D.C. as a, a baseball fan and a football fan, and people said you you got to go see the greatest show on ice. I went to some Caps games, watched you play, and it was just amazing how you had the city captured, how you played like no one had played, certainly in Washington in net before. And uh, just as from a from a very personal experience, I enjoyed the hell out of watching you. Oh, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Only the goalie, man. Great to meet you. Fantastic to talk to you. And we appreciate you uh, carving out some time for us to, to spend with us today here on The Approach Shop. We are The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Wanted to make Thank sure you. I got that in there. No pause. I mentioned earlier to uh, to Oli that my cousin who lives in Portland said thank you, wanted me to tell him thank you specifically. Wait, is this cousin from Boston? <laughs> no, <laughs> from Boston. No, from Portland. From okay. Portland, Maine, eh? Yeah? And he, he just said thank you because the year that Oli played goalie for the Portland Pirates, they won the cup or whatever it is they play for in that, in that particular league. That's cool. And he did tell me a story, though. He said that the, the Caps were playing a preseason game in Portland. Okay. Oli was not scheduled to be in goal. Hmm. So originally he was not going to be on the bus to come up with the team. All right. But he petitioned the team to let him come up, not to play, but he basically held court. He said he wanted to thank the fans in Portland for making his year there so enjoyable wow and and my cousin said he was one of the last to be able to stand in line but the line started to say hello to Oli just prior to the game starting and it didn't end until the middle of the third period good lord wow yeah, yeah. wow popular guy in Portland. That, that is how popular he was for the i mean you win a championship you know big poppy's always going to be popular in the red sox That's you know true. you can he can't do anything in Boston wrong. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. He probably isn't going to pay for a meal either. No. Yeah. No, he's I not. Bet, I bet Oli's got a lobster or two. <laughs> he got a lobster or two out of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have an idea. I think I'm going to go thank the fans in Portland and probably probably find a lobster. Get a little lobster, maybe even some drawn butter. <laughs> so, there you go. Very nice. And he's right. The accent comes back. Just like that. Anytime, man. On call. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in today. We want to thank you for all of the 82 previous episodes and the five or six since we've started back up. Um, We promise you more great guests as we go along. And John, this is where we talk about um, getting them to subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, subscribe. Come on. Now, come on. Do it now. What are you waiting for? They need to know how. Oh, 
they go to approachshot.net. Not the approachshot. Oh, someone stole our the. Somebody it is simply approachshot.net. And right. do I need to spell it? It's S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E. There you go. There's a button. Also, we would love it if you would, since we talk about the 82 shows that we had before we had our uh, break, we've had NFL players, NHL players, Major League Baseball players, but also some actors, some authors, uh, some Some writers, (laughs) some writers, some writers, Writers, some writers, some folks, some of them, um, you know, are a little timely. They talk about a specific thing, but a lot, most of the things aren't. And like you heard with Oli, we do talk a lot about their golf game. We do talk a little bit about um, what they're currently doing and everybody has to deal with the six pack. So go back and listen to the Dale Murphy interview or the LaVon Kirkland interview or the Mike Ortman interview or, or any of those. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Please do just, just listen through a couple of those and then you'll, uh, you'll get a sense of why everybody sweats when we talk about the six pack. Yeah. That's it. We want to get our numbers up. <laughs> That's exactly right. We also used to always say something cheesy at the end. And John and yeah. I decided if we're going to come back and do this again, like we are doing now, and going to roll on. We're not going to have a cheesy ending. We're just going to no thank cheese. you for listening and yes. ask you to come back and see us next week. Wait, no cheese. Does that mean no wine too? Damn yes. <laughs> why i showed up here i thought there was going to be food as a lush thank you man we (laughs) shall be here next week we hope you will say the same indeed until then he is john ashton oh that felt good and he is neil michaels (laughs) we are the approach shot thanks for listening You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.